Welcome to episode 82 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. A client of mine called earlier today. I was in the middle of giving my littlest one a bottle, but I figured it was urgent since we weren't scheduled to talk until next week. She had just finished doing her taxes. She sounded very frustrated and said, it's like I set fire to $10,000. I got nothing in return. I was confused. How had she set fire to $10,000? Well, She calculated how much money she had spent to attend three conferences last year, including flights and hotel, plus the amount she spent to be a member of an association and a local networking group. The total came to nearly $10,000. Despite investing a huge chunk of change into her business, she had little to show for it. No new business, no valuable new connections. The whole thing felt like a waste of her time, which she has very little of, as she's working to expand her side hustle as a speaker and coach into a full-time business. All she had to show for her time, money, and effort was an overflowing stack of business cards in her desk. And then, very abruptly, she switched gears and said she was actually calling to tell me she was looking forward to doing her 2018 taxes. Huh? I no longer just let business cards pile up on my desk, she said. Thanks to you, I have a system for following up that feels like it's on autopilot. It actually works. She's excited for 2018 because she now has the know-how and confidence to make the most of these opportunities. If this resonates with you and you want to stop wasting thousands of dollars this year, we should chat. I'll show you how to stop coming home from events with stacks of business cards that just pile up next to your computer. Check out what I've put together for you at robbysamuels.com forward slash taxes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest helps people develop the insights and courage necessary to act outside their personal and cultural comfort zones when doing important but challenging tasks in work and life. He is a professor of international management and organizational behavior at Brandeis University, an award-winning author of Global Dexterity, How to Adapt Behavior Across Cultures Without Losing Yourself in the Process, and his more recently published book, Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. His research has explored the dynamics of psychologically demanding tasks, including necessary evils and organizational change. He writes regularly for Harvard Business Review, Psychology Today, and Inc.com, and consults and speaks widely to corporate audiences. Currently, his work focuses on the challenges people face when adapting behavior in foreign cultural settings. Please join me in welcoming Andy Malinsky. Thanks for having me. Oh, Andy, thank you so much for joining me from your office in Boston. Uh, I want to just jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Hmm. So uh, what does leadership mean to me? Um, 
It's a good question. I actually think a lot about it. Uh, and it's funny, funny you pose this question because I, I just recently, this past year, was named the director of a uh, leadership institute <laughs> at, at Brandeis. So it's, it's been on my mind and I'm, and I'm thinking a lot and I'm working on a project about um, what, what, what we can do to equip young people to, to be interested in leadership, to um, maybe develop their leadership potential, and to start to acquire leadership skills. So it's something that's actually on my mind a lot. Um, I'm not quite sure if I, ha- if, if I have what it takes to be a great leader. I, th- I think I do. Uh, and then perhaps, I guess, humility would be maybe <laughs> one, of the, one of the qualities, yeah. <laughs> perhaps. Um, I, you know, I, I think, that I think I, my view about leadership um, is that there are certain aspects of leadership that, that are key, uh, every, uh, certain tasks that, that, that everyone who's a leader needs to be able to achieve and accomplish, such as being able to create a compelling, inclusive, bold, um, meaningful vision uh, to, to, to inspire and motivate people to achieve that vision, to give them and equip them with the skills and capabilities and networks and opportunities that they need to rally behind that vision and so on and so forth. And sort of the, that's like the nuts and bolts of it. But, but I'm also a firm believer that, that, that anyone can be a leader um, in, in that, in that you need to sort of understand your strengths um, and, and lead in your way. Mm. Uh, you can be a, a loud leader, a quiet leader. You can be an introverted leader, an extroverted leader. You can be, you know, I think you take what, what, what your greatest strengths are and you apply them to those sort of key leadership tasks and responsibilities. So early on in life, were you the kind of kid who, who was called to or set into leadership roles or were you more quiet watching the room, kind of seeing how things played out? Definitely the uh, let's see, former ladder, ladder. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, watching. I still am the kid who who watches how things play out. Although I think you know, in my career now, I'm I'm I'm, I'm an old man here. I I'm starting to like you know have have more opportunities fall into my lap in some ways and and try to take a bit more of a leadership role. But no, I was never the person who would sort of. Um, uh, step into a leadership position or a leadership role. It's funny. I think a lot of my friends in college were like that too. We, I live with 10 people in college, 10 friends. And we had, and there's one guy who was like this total alpha leadership guy. And so he would like, we would all just sort of like hang out there and like basically <laughs> do nothing and, and achieve nothing unless he sort of catalyzed us. And so, and we all sort of sat back laugh, sort of, you know, we were fine with it, but, uh, but that, that, I think that's for sure what, 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 I, what I was. Was there a point that that sort of shift, like now that you're being given these opportunities, do you think something's changed in you? Are people seeing new opportunities for you? Or is it really just falling into your lap because of, you know, age and wisdom and experience and that kind of thing? I don't know if I would characterize myself as a leader. I mean, I, th- I think that I'm, I'm definitely um, a thinker. No question about that. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about uh, uh, trying to help people through my teaching. In training, so I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a thinker, I'm a speaker. Uh, I, I hope to inspire people and motivate people. Whether I'm a leader, I don't know. You know, I I, I just started taking over this leadership institute again. Uh, you know, somewhat yeah. I- ironically, uh, yeah. I- I'm enjoying doing it. Is if I have a vision, if I feel like there's a compelling thing I want to achieve, and that I think it's a meaningful, worthwhile thing to achieve, I don't have a problem 
mobilizing people and working, mm. you know, to try to create that vision. But I think it's really critical to 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 really deeply, at least for me, uh, since I don't have some some people might have that that sort of like, you know internal need to lead internal mm-hmm. need for power and no matter what they're doing they just want to have the power that's not me if there's something i want to achieve and i feel is valuable i'm willing to step into that role though so it's about almost like compelling leadership yeah, for you abs- absolutely it's it's yeah. leadership would be you know a role I'm, I'm i'm willing to play and perhaps might even start to embody and enjoy but to yeah. only only to create some in in and help develop something that's worthwhile oh i actually really glad you're talking about it this way because I feel like we could, should keep expanding leadership to include what you're describing, right? Because a lot of people don't see themselves as leaders. In fact, I've interviewed other academics and I feel like they all, they all say similar things, <laughs> even though their work is, is taking on a life of its own and it's being shared outside the ivory tower. They still don't yet see themselves as a leader, even though in their fields, they're, you know, you're creating a buzz. So there's got to be a way to not just have the alpha leader be the model out there. We probably have to offer more so archetypes or people won't see it as a possibility for themselves. Like your young people you're talking about, like if they only think the alpha leader is the person who, who leads, then they will never define themselves that way unless they fall into that. So, you know, I'm glad you're kind of, kind of expanding it to be like when you're compelled to do it, when the call, when the work is important to you and you feel like you're the right person to mobilize people, catalyze people and, so you're willing to you're willing to do it, but you don't feel um, yeah like an innate need to do it. If I'm I categorizing this correctly for you? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think that um, I think leadership with a big capital L, I think to some people feels in- intimidating and maybe outsized, oversized. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people who gravitate towards it and sort of you know get off on on the idea of power that's one thing for for people who don't feel that way necessarily it can sort of feel like it doesn't fit it's not you it's too oversized and so on i don't know but maybe there are different ways of thinking about it like for instance if someone said would you you know are you willing to take the lead on this mm. you know and, and if the if the this is something that's really worthwhile and cool and interesting sh- sure i'm willing to do it you know what i mean but but yeah. in terms of like you know being a leader with a capital l it's a little it feels a little grandiose inauthentic and sort of like you know i don't know it's it's a little bit too much so so but but the, but 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 again i think it, it probably comes back to different sort of um conceptions of the idea of leadership and also conceptions of yourself Sure. I love that you're thinking about this because I hope that you'll be applying it to how you talk about leadership in your, in your new role, because it sounds like um, the context within which you ask and, you know, what you're asking people to think of themselves as is different, right? Like some people will answer different calls than other people. But so I wanted to take this back to the kind of work that you do, because you think this is like long lines of how you think about how people to process who they are in a space and time. Um, right, like we're talking about leadership as the context, but you've done it in other cultural contexts, uh, mostly global. Now you've been really thinking a lot about that. But your most recent book is about getting outside comfort zone, which obviously leadership for you is about getting outside your comfort zone a little bit to to be in that position. So, what do you enjoy most about the work that you do today? What What would you say is a um, like a highlight of of the work? I love being able to to do things that that ultimately uh, create a positive change in people. I mean, that's, I think, what it all comes down to. And that's why I love being both a thinker and a teacher. Um, you know, I, I love I love coming up with, um, you know, um, 
frameworks and processes and insights, whether it's through observation or research or a combination of both, and then to be able to communicate that, you know, in various ways and to teach people. When I say teach, I mean that actually very broadly. So teach can mean, so I'm a columnist at Harvard Business Review and also at Inc.com and Psychology Today, that's teaching. I teach in a university. I'm a professor, that's teaching. I give a lot of keynote speeches. I do teaching and training at companies and so on. Um, and so, so all that, I think, you know, I bundle under sort of um, uh, understanding and teaching with the goal of trying to improve people's, you know, lives in a way and their well-being and their confidence and their ability in the case of my most recent work to step outside their comfort zones to do things that to do things that that they know will um improve their um well-being and effectiveness and success at work um such as i mean and these could be little things by the way these are everyday acts of courage these are sort of you know uh, making small talk with someone you don't know you know along the lines of your work stepping into a networking event and yeah. actually you know <laughs> learning to build connections pitch maybe pitch and promote yourself whatever it is that that makes someone scared and uncomfortable but they know is important for their professional success and well-being and career that's what i'm interested in you know helping people with and so that excites me that yeah. that i find especially when you can see the impact of of what you do uh, that's pretty cool that's a nice thing when you start to write a book and it goes out into the world and people then reach out to you in fact one of the tips i give people around around networking and sort of building connections with influencers is that if a book does resonate with you reach out to the author because it's kind of an isolating piece to like write a book like it's you you do it in a in a space it's in your head you get it on paper and then you ship it to the world often there's a huge delay between when you wrote it and when it finally publishes and you're waiting to see whether it's worthwhile and when someone writes you and tells you that you had an impact on their life in a positive way like that's that's a great start to a, a good connection that could lead somewhere and i hope you're starting to see people reach out to you in that way because i think that's the, that's a rewarding piece of of being able to take your work and not just share it in these closed contexts, you know, of uh, you know teaching in this in a classroom, but also kind of really bring it to the public forum and give people an opportunity to talk about it. Have you had some really rewarding kind of reactions to to your to your books and to the way you've done your keynotes, et cetera? Oh yeah, I mean that that's that you got you hit the nail on the head. That that's 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 what makes it. You know, that's you know when you when I, when I get those, you know, sometimes it's on social media, uh, even better on email. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you, when you get something like that, it totally makes my day, you know, I forward it to my wife and I I might even show my kids, you know, my kids now are (laughs) old, they're old enough. They're 11 and 13. So, you know, it's, it's cool, you know, dad's doing something that made a difference and you feel that and it totally makes your day. Um, no matter, I, you know, I, I think no matter how, you know, as you said about like influencers and thought leaders, like I imagine people, you know, some people think of me as, is that, um, you know, and, and, and there's this sort of implied distance and power distance between, you know, some, someone, someone who's maybe a consumer and a reader of, 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 of material and then the person, mm-hmm. thought, thought leader, so to speak, who, who, who produces it and is kind of out there in a public way. And, you know, I, I, I think that, I think that, um, people, at least, you know, speaking for me, I, I love hearing from mm-hmm. people. It totally makes my day. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's something, it's an underutilized way of, of making a connection. Absolutely. So, so speaking of kind of being outside your comfort zone, can you share a little bit about a challenge you've experienced in all this and maybe a little about how you overcame that challenge? And, and it sounds like, you know, you, you have 
brilliant ideas, but so maybe it's also about how you communicate them. But, but what has been a challenge for you in, in doing the work that you do today? Oh my gosh, so many challenges. <laughs> you know, so so I I was originally trained, you know, as an academic, um, and as an academic, you you, you write academic papers, um, which is its own set of challenges. <laughs> by the way, you know, like like and 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 you pr- present at conferences and you network, but not in the way that business people network. Um, you know, you're building your academic connections and so on and so forth. And in, in about 10 years ago, I, I decided, I had always known I wanted to do this, but I decided I want to kind of step out of that, mm-hmm. not, not, not leave it, but, but, but take, take, take a step out and to sort of have two simultaneous professional lives that kind of fuel each other. One where I'm doing research and teaching as I always have in service in the university, but also having this public image and this public persona and writing popular business books and in 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 um in 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 writing blogs and in speaking and consulting and so on and i have to tell you um it was pretty scary at Mm. first to do that um you know to walk into a onto a stage now i'm not i originally in my career i was very uncomfortable public speaking after 15 years and now 20 years of teaching i'm not afraid of public speaking (laughs) i do it (laughs) constantly right but 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 Going into a corporate boardroom or going into a corporate event, yeah. speaking to a hundred people who are there for you because your ideas are somewhere somehow going to help, you know, their their business or their well being. I, I had a lot of doubt at first about whether what I had to say would would be useful and impactful. Um, I think that now is outside my comfort zone. Something else that that always was and still is to this day outside my comfort zone, though I'm feeling more and more you know, comfortable with it and also finding my own way around it is social media and mm. self and self promotion on social media. Um, you know, before I started any of this, I was a Luddite. I was, I was, I wasn't on Twitter. <laughs> I was used to make fun of my brother who was on Twitter. He was much earlier than I was on these various uh, social media platforms. And I used to just make fun of him, like, like how preposterous these things were. And now look at me today. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> But, but every time I sort of click, you know, send on a tweet or a post or whatever it is, especially something that's of, you know, semi self promotional, uh, you know, it's, it, it always just feels like, um, it's stepping outside my comfort zone because that's not my inherent nature. Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, there's a lot of noise out there. There are a lot of other people doing these things. There's a lot of information being thrown at people. And for, for you to get noticed and for your ideas to get noticed, you kind of got to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was outside my comfort zone. It sounds like also with these dual lives that you've got, <laughs> that there must be some difficulty in finding a way to integrate all of it. And also you mentioned having a family and your what, what are your thoughts about sort of, I mean, it's not really work-life balance. I think that's a bit of a misnomer still, but, but this sort of idea of integration, like how do you know, for instance, how do you know when you're not at work? Like what's the off switch if you could always be doing this? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I've always felt that if you like what you're doing, there's no need for an off switch. I mean, mm. like, like, so I'm, I like what I do. And so I can, I can actually, and maybe this is just my personality, but I can, I can flip flop very easily. So like I, I'll, you know, I'll, 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 in the middle of the day, I'll go pick up my kids from school. I'll bring them home. And now they're old enough that they're doing their own thing, you know, homework or whatever it is. Um, you know, my, my daughter might even be baking in the, in the kitchen, uh-huh. uh, whatever, you know, whatever, 
whatever it might be. And then I'll go off and, and do whatever email or writing, you know, not, not serious deep writing because I need sort of bigger blocks of time for that. But whatever I need to do, I'll, be, I'll do in the other room. I'll then come and make dinner. And then after dinner, depending on if I have some more to do or not, I might, you know, go walk the dog and then go work for a little bit more. You know, so, so I, can, I can flow in and out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as long as you're communicating it and if, if something, uh, you know, to, to build in time for the family, like maybe at 8.30, we're all going to watch our favorite show together or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of trying to um, find a w- finding a way to make it all in tune, so to speak, like in a music analogy to hit, hit the right chords so that it's in tune. Um, and then to be flexible in case there are certain situations. Maybe there's a mini, cri- mini crisis. Maybe mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, maybe whatever it is that you do need to drop something and go and go off. But I don't know, I've got, I guess I've gotten good at it, 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 it juggling lots of things and not, and, and I don't really feel like I need an off switch because I really in, in, enjoy it, frankly. Yeah. Someone once gave the analogy of like, you know, um, you would never ask, you know, a top musician when they weren't on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, how do you know when you're playing for fun and you're playing for work <laughs> yeah. when you, when you like love playing this instrument? Um, and I, I think it's true, but I also sounds like you're good about, about, being realistic about having some time that is focused on other activities, not, not just work activities, but that you can go back and forth, back and forth between them. Absolutely. And you also, I think it's also really important to, I don't know, to, to be a good gatekeeper of your Mm -hmm. own life and your own responsibilities, especially when you're, um, you know, someone like me who's got a very flexible work schedule. Um, also, I can control a lot of what I do, what my responsibilities are. This is different if you're, you know, in a more traditional setup in a traditional company with a boss and clients and so on. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are freelancers, are, you know, solopreneurs and so on. And, and they can sort of, I don't know, sort of regulate the, the sort of the spigot of, of, of what, what, what comes in, you know, uh, in terms of pure work, in terms of volunteer activities, in terms of boards, in terms of networking, in terms of all the possible things you could do. I think it is important to sort of um, set a realistic amount of things that you have on your plate. Andy, you're reminding me there was a moment in my life where I felt very overwhelmed with all the things I was juggling. And, and I, there was, I'd already said no to so many things. I had said no for years. I had been declining and, and eliminating things from my life. But what was left was still a lot. <laughs> Until someone said to me, you are the arbiter of your own schedule. Exactly. And I was like, oh, I can't just complain about this. I have to actually do something about it. I have to make more hard decisions in order to kind of wrestle this into an, into an amount that seems reasonable and I can actually feel good about. Um, so there is a moment where you're like, okay, I love everything I'm doing, but it's still more than I could be doing right now. And it's like, I've been learning to stack things more uh, consciously. Like this quarter, my number one goal is this. Next quarter, another goal, rather than trying to accomplish them all at once. So I've talked about the 12-week uh, uh, year on this show before. Um, I've heard about this book. I haven't actually read it myself yet, but I've heard such good things and it's helped me sort of conceptualize the idea of sort of building in sort of time for each thing as, as you need it without doing all of it. You know, it will get done, but maybe not just right now. I'm a big believer in that. And I'm also a big believer in, um, I wouldn't call it multitasking, but what I, w- I would call it sort of like harvesting insights from one domain of your life to another. So for example, I'm, an, I'm a columnist for Inc.com and I essentially write an article a week for them. Um, and, and 
a lot of my ideas come from exactly the types of things we're talking about. So I wrote a one on work-life balance uh, a couple of months ago. I've written a, a one on, um, on on learning to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just like we just talked about. Yeah, so like, yeah. These are things that like, you know, I, I get inspired by a, from a variety of, of, of areas from from the consulting or training I do, from the speaking mm-hmm. I do, from life experiences and then from all the stuff that we're talking about. And so 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 sort of keep your eyes open, be curious and then sort of be thoughtful about even your own experience in these areas and then leverage that in terms of your writing. And I find that some of the most interesting thinkers and writers do that. And so I try to do that as well. Speaking of interesting, you have quite a collection of people in your world. You, you've been um, particularly, you know, you have your academic world and now you've been doing more of this public facing uh, work the last five years. And you've, you've just met, you and I actually met through Dory Clark. So I know you, I know you've got good people in your network. (laughs) We were at a really great dinner together when we first met. So as your professional network has sort of grown and evolved over the last five, 10 years or so, what are the ways you're consciously nurturing those connections? Are you doing anything on, on like with a consciousness? It's a good question. Um, uh, I would say that, that I try to, I, I do try to um, simultaneously um, sort of enrich and engage the people I already know not in a super instrumental way though. Like I don't have a spreadsheet about like talk to Robbie about this topic. Remember to say thank you for, you know, like not in like, I once had a boss when I was young, like when I was like 22, I remember he had like a, whatever, maybe Excel was out then, I forget, but it was like this unbelievably instrumental way of like maintaining relationships. Like, like it was all these details and like, like remember to ask about blah, blah, blah. And when like, he's on the phone with a person saying like, Oh, by the way, how is blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's like, I, it always was so off putting to me. Although I suppose it's, there is a useful element of it because it yeah. does help you remember if you have so many people. But anyways, I do, I, I try to do two things. I try to, you know, this isn't really rocket science. I try to, you know, maintain the connections with people that I, that I know and enjoy, but I also do try to explicitly try to engage and in, in, in reach out to new people. Sometimes that's having a Skype call sometimes it's meeting someone for something sometimes in my role i can invite people to do things sometimes Mm. you know whether it's speak in a class or whatever it is so i do like to try to expand my network um but i don't know maybe i'm maybe i should be more instrumental about it i'm not not sure (laughs) well i was just thinking like you know i've i've had guests that came on that as they travel for work um they reach out to people like if they move they're traveling to chicago they'll like look to see who they know in chicago and like either organize a dinner or they'll organize like a happy hour like i'll be at this bar come by and say hello or they'll just try to meet up with one person if they're like if small groups you know are better for them than like a big crowded space and and i thought that was really cool it's like you know it's hard to have that facetime in in today's world a lot of times that's a great idea. I, but, you know, I, I'm going to yeah. borrow that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, so you should listen to more of my shows. Exactly. Andy. <laughs> Seriously. You know, like on the academic front, it's easy because I go to a conference every year that has about 12,000 people at it. And these are like, like pretty much everyone I know in the, in, in sort of like the academic professional area goes there. And so I have like, I don't know, probably like 15 coffee dates so to speak <laughs> you know like all in a row and it's a great opportunity to do that but you're right it's it's harder to do it otherwise but all right i like that idea <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna use it <laughs> yeah yeah well actually another another piece uh is you can start tagging your email with um where people are from so that 
you want to quickly sort through your inbox, you can then check your labels to see, okay, who's in what area. Um, just sort of get in the habit of tagging people as you, as you know, and then you can reach out like, Hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. You know, are you going to be in town? Um, so there's, there are low key ways. Like I, I get the, like, you don't want to be too, I guess your word instrumental about it, but maybe being like, it's like figuring out the balance because, you know, Dory Clark, um, her thing is hosting these dinners all the time and she does it you know, a lot in her hometown now in New York. She also does it when she's traveling. Um, and, and to me, it's like a really cool way to bring a lot of people together. Um, so there's just different ways. And I think, you know, the coffee dates thing, uh, you, you get over caffeinated if you try to have <laughs> coffee with everybody. That's the problem. It's like everyone wants your time. I like your suggestion of also like Skyping with people. I try to have, you know, probably one or two Skype calls a week with people that I, I don't know very well. And I actually use like a, a meeting scheduler to make it super simple because sometimes the back and forth of getting people to schedule something is the part that makes it not happen. So I like the idea of being like, yes, you want to get on my calendar? Here's the link, book the time, happy to chat. Like we'll, we'll hop on a Zoom call, we'll do a Skype call, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's interesting because um, the conference is probably a big part of your life is going to conferences still though. And so there's probably a lot of opportunities related to conferences for you to, to reconnect and rekindle. Is that is conference is still a big part of your, your work? Uh, I'd say less 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 so. Um, used to be a very big part, um, and it used to be the critical sort of networking opportunities, but a little bit less so. But it's interesting as you're talking. I'm thinking more about this. Um, yeah, I, I just couldn't see myself hosting a dinner for all these people that I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of an introvert to do that. <laughs> you know, actually, what's interesting is Zadori is an introvert, and um, she thinks it's great because instead of trying to have fifteen different conversations she invites 10 people and then she just kind of sits there they all connect with each other and they love it yeah it's a good idea. <laughs> she doesn't even have to you know dominate the conversation she's just there to like lightly facilitate and i i mean i'm an outgoing extrovert and i find it you know just as rewarding but i actually think it's a really cool way for people who are more introverted you know to to balance their energy to to the like roi <laughs> like you know the return on investment of your energy into doing this is uh is going to be greater than trying to schedule like lots of mini conversations plus is the added benefit of all the people in your universe meeting each other right like that's true they they like that the fact that you become a connector by default um makes people look to you as a leader and as a great connector. So look, you're going to get all this great advice just being on this, this show. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to check back in with you, Andy, because like I love coaching people on this stuff. I want to know what sticks because it has right. to work for you. I mean, that's the thing. There's right. like a zillion ways. One really low key way is uh, you just have a stack of index cards and you write someone's name and you write the date that you talk to them and then you put them to the back of the stack. And then whoever's in the top of the stack, if you've got a few minutes, you reach out to them. You send them an email, a phone call, whatever. And then once you've done that, you move them to the back of the stack. And you might only have 20 people that you're trying to like, you know, really kind of stay in touch with that way. But that's sort of a way like you're like, oh, I have 15 minutes. Who can I reach out to? Okay, who's in my, who's in the top of my stack? So it's like, it's like a lower key, less, uh, less techie version of this. But right. uh, could still have that effect of not losing sight of the cool people that you don't work with all the time. And then of course, you know, having some, some um, 
some reason for the for, for the connection of course you know if you're if you're in a city or something like that and having dinner that's one thing that's a social thing but if you're getting together on a call and say hey i'd love to catch up you know i don't know some people don't really have the time to quote unquote just catch up so that that's always i find a challenge with some of this networking if it's you know either on the receiving end of those types of calls or on the you know initiating end What's funny is Susan Rowan, uh, who is wrote a book called How to Work a Room. I think it came out like 30 years ago. So she is like, you know, the, the godmother of the space that I'm in. Um, she says uh, this thing. She calls them how are you calls. Um, hey, hey calls. How are you calls? And she'll just call people. And I started doing this. So it just starts calling people. And, you know, sometimes you get a voicemail. I usually leave a voicemail that says like, hey, just checking in. Want to see how you are. And people love it. You know, sure. usually the calls aren't very long because, you know, again, you're catching them out of the blue. Um, but we, people forget that the phone is a device we, we still have. <laughs> you know, like we're so nervous about using it because everything's scheduled and planned for. And listen, I'm home with two kids that are under the age of, you know, three. So I, I, I care about my time and I usually schedule everything. But those kind of reaching out, you know, texting or a quick phone call, um, they're not they're not like disruptive in the same way. I mean, like if you can't take it, you don't take it. But it's like, oh, it's really nice that someone thought of me without asking me for anything in return. I think that's always the balance, right? Because we want to be able to reach out to people when we need to, but not only because we need to. And that's sometimes that's hard to do as you as you build out your network. Um, I do want to also ask though about how you think about sort of diversifying your network and and being thoughtful about that. I mean, you write about, um, you know, your piece about global dexterity, um, you know, is a really a, about being in multiple cultures and you have a mindset around that. Is there something you do to make sure you're not just around people who have the same background, experience, education, et cetera? Like how, how do you go about diversifying your network? And when, or is it, is again, is it something you're doing thoughtfully? Uh, I, I think it's great to have a diverse network, but I, I don't have to work at that. Actually, <laughs> I have an incredibly diverse network. I mean, I you know, uh, gender, um, um, ethnic background, um, uh, country background. I have an extremely international uh, network, and and that comes, I think. I think it mostly comes from the fact that um, a lot of what I do, so I, I have sort of two different focuses. One is on helping people to step outside their comfort zones at work, which is not inherently a you know diverse network generating topic. Inherently isn't. But my stuff on global dexterity and stepping outside your cultural comfort zone is. So I get, I have tons of people uh, in, in, in my network from all sorts of backgrounds and places. And, and then on top of that, I've got, um, you know, decades now of students Mm. Uh, and in 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 student my students are are, are fair, fairly diverse as well so um so yeah so i, I actually i actually think i have a, a fairly diverse network already um and and i don't really have to work <laughs> work at it so so that that's cool i i i and i really enjoy that actually andy what would you say to someone is the value of having a diverse network well you i mean there's a lot of um there's a lot of reasons why it provides value. Um, uh, sort of, I would say, um, from from an I ideas perspective, um, in an exposure perspective, you're exposed to all different um, viewpoints and in, in ideas. 
um, through your through your network, and the more diverse it is, the less of an echo chamber it will be. Um, now, by the way, it's interesting. I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what which which network am I talking about? Am I talking about link my LinkedIn network? I guess LinkedIn is sort of like a vehicle for sort of managing and in 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 connecting with your network. Am I talking about Facebook? Because if I'm talking about my private Facebook network, that is not as diverse as my LinkedIn connections. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so and then also dimensions of diversity. So on Facebook, for instance, I'm a pretty liberal person, I would say, politically. And so, you know, most of the people on Facebook just happen to also be that. So I don't, although I do have some, you know, more conservative friends. And so I do see some stuff, you know, there as well, but less, I would say less diverse there. Um, but in, but on but I think in terms of LinkedIn, for example, I've got a very diverse network. I get lots of super interesting stuff that flows through. Mm-hmm. I, if I have a question or, or about really any culture around the world, I've got people that I can connect to and link to and talk to. Um, I you know uh, I'm not sure. You know I, I think exposure and to to different ideas and also um, opportunities to to. Um, potentially work on interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, that, that's pretty easy. I, I, I'll just give you a quick example. Um, I teach a class on global dexterity, on stepping outside your cultural comfort zone at Brandeis International Business School. And when I'm looking for speakers uh, for the class, it's very easy for me to find uh, a lot of super interesting speakers in my mm-hmm. network. Uh, so, so that's an example. Uh, lots of, you know, it's a resource as well. So I'm not sure if that gets at what you're talking about, but I think there's a, there's a you know, yeah. There are multiple dimensions of diversity, um, and I think there are multiple, um, uh, you know, reasons why it's beneficial to have a diverse network. Yeah, it sounds like for you, it's it's become so integrated into the way you live your life that you're not having to make an effort because the work that you do leads to building these kinds of relationships very naturally, and yeah. you can kind of build from there to you know for it not to just be. Uh, uh, you know, not just be a LinkedIn connection, but one that you actually reach out to, <laughs> one that you actually, you know, when you when you need something or they need something, they'll the connection will happen. And also conversations. I mean, I find a lot of you know, I, I post a lot on LinkedIn. I write a lot for yeah. LinkedIn. I get a lot of um, I, I I'm I'm able to to see comments, a lot of comments. I'm able to engage with people. I can't tell you how many people I've sort of, quote unquote met on social media mm-hmm. that I still that I've that I've collaborated with in some way, but I've literally still never met in person. Um, mm. And and you know, in my you know, I'm I'm of the generation where you know, when I was in college. Um, um, Des- uh, desktop computers first came out. <laughs> so uh-huh. like you know, when I was in high school, there weren't computers. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not of the digital native generation. So mm-hmm. all this stuff still surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, if you had the opportunity to talk to your younger self or to a 25 year old today, you know, would there be a piece of advice you would give them about, or give your younger self about building a strong, supportive professional network? Would, would there be something you'd, you'd want to say, like, from the gate, this is what you should be doing in order to end up with what you have today? I don't know. I, I would say, though, uh, I'm always a fan of slow and steady. Um, so if, I, if it were my 25-year-old self, I would say, don't, don't think that you need to create a robust, diverse network or audience or platform or whatever it is overnight you know the instant gratification that people often feel that they need and and want um especially on social media um it doesn't apply to to building 
relationships and building mm. networks. So, so, so set, set modest goals uh, and, and keep at it. And when you're 35, you're going to look back and say, whoa, you know, this is pretty good. It's sort of like, it's sort of like investing in a 401k. You know, mm. if you start investing at age 21, you know, you're not going to create a fortune by 25. But when you look back at age 51, 30 years later, you're going to say, whoa, look at what I accomplished. Right. Yeah, and so that, yeah. that, that, that's what I would say. That's great advice. Cause I think, uh, people look, uh, at, at, uh, someone who's very successful and it always seems like they're an overnight success. Yeah, you know, and the joke that I always make is, you know, it's you know, overnight success, ten years in the making. Exactly. And I feel like I'm like nine and a half years in. <laughs> so it's like you know, you have to do the work, and you have to to I like the slow and steady. Like it's really good advice. I think um, today where people are building up enormous following, like it has to be an engaged following. Yeah. Like right, like you you sometimes it takes a while to figure out well what do you even want them to engage about, um, and that that will take some time as well. So, Andy, I'm really glad that you live in my area and that we'll have a chance to keep crossing paths. Um, when we do, and let's say it's a year from now, and we're, we're celebrating all of your successes, what will we be celebrating? Like, what accomplishments are you looking forward to over the next year? Um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, <clears throat> I'd love to be able to, a couple of things. Um, I'm, I'm launching um, a, a new online course on my own. Uh, my, my little side, side, side hustle, side gig <laughs> uh, on helping people to master American business culture. So for foreign professionals, learning to step outside their cultural comfort zone and make it in the United States. Um, I'm starting an online course based on that. So to have some success and to reach some students and to really have an impact with that, that would be wonderful and fantastic. And it would also set me up to, to build some more online courses, which I think are great for extending my reach um, and also extending the you know the potential of impacting people positively sort of outside my immediate circle so that's one thing and I guess the other thing would be uh, to to keep at it with this leadership stuff that I'm working on and really make an impact on on some you know useful insights um, for helping uh, young people um, especially young people and what I mean by young is sort of like the immediate post-college age people um, learn uh, about leadership, uh, develop their leadership potential, develop their potential interest in leadership, um, figure out a way to, um, to, to see themselves as a leader and, and, and so on. And I think in, in, I'm, I'm embarking on a, on a research project uh, focused on this. And I'd love to be able in a year to have some, some cool insights to share. Wow, it's those are both really exciting pieces that you're working on. Um, looking forward to hearing how it all goes. So please do keep me updated. How can people find you and follow your work? Uh, yeah, so I've got a website, um, which is www. Big surprise, andymolinsky.com. <laughs> it's spelled A N D Y. M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And perhaps you might have it in the, in the show notes. Sure. Um, and uh, all my social media is there as well. I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I've got an author Facebook page. And you know, I love to hear from people. Um, my email is right, right on my webpage. And Perfect. I think that's probably the very best way to connect with me. Well, I will have all the links right there in the show notes, which people can find at ontheschmooze.com. Thank you, Andy, so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to connect and, and thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andy. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. 
Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 82. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. And don't forget, if you want to stop wasting thousands of dollars each year on fruitless networking efforts, check out what I've put together for you at robbysamuels.com forward slash taxes. If you enjoyed this episode with Andy, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talents professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.